space helmet on, I bet. Well, what's up, long players? Welcome back to the long play listening party. We're giving Nate a hard time. I'm here with Jared Fulton of DJ Not a DJ. We listened to sides one and two of Deep Roots in Shallow Ground last week. Go back and check out that episode if you haven't listened to it already for kind of the background. We don't know where we're headed at this point, um, but start, I will get um, some music started, Jarrett. So, uh, yeah, uh, where where we leave off? Side three? Yeah, here we go with side three. Okay. Um, hang on, a little technical. It's all right. Little technical so, on the. So what I was three. trying to say is the reason that we um, are going to are going to kick Nate out of the band is because oh never mind I can't tell you that yet. All right, there we go. There's some side three. All right, Nate, I'm going to unmute you. We got started without you. Sorry, buddy. Uh, I don't. Whoever was having the pro- technical problem, I think that was the last time that was going to happen before. We found Probably someone else. Did all that stuff. <laughs> as uh, listeners, yeah, as you want to be friends, though. <laughs> I, 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 just to finish my thought, as like we just think it's the best thing if we don't have Nate in the band anymore. That's all I was trying to say. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna finish, uh, you know, this <laughs> record and um, <laughs> no hard feelings. So uh, what I was gonna say, Howie, is like we plan on asking Nate back in the band later this evening. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. Yeah, because we can't we can't live without him. But we just don't want him to know that. I'll probably, okay. I'll probably accept. Okay. I'll send you a bouquet of flowers tomorrow. On the off chance, uh, dear listener, that this is your first episode, uh, we're talking, of course, of Nate Holt, my co-host, uh, solo music under Astrali's music, and uh, keyboardist and multi-instrumentalist and producer in DJ Not a DJ, who's... Uh, recently reissued album Deep Roots and Shallowed Ground. We are currently listening to side three of, including the tracks Cluster of Stars, Don't Exist, Ghosty, and Translucence Part One. Whatever happened to Part Two? Uh, it's on the new record. Oh, sweet. Maybe, maybe. If it makes the cut, huh? That's right. Yeah, well, All yeah. Right. You're just going to have to follow DJ Not a DJ uh, everywhere. Uh, buy some merch and, and the current record. And, yeah, we'll, we'll get translucent part two. Sweet. That's just bass lines are just every time. Yeah, let's actually let's actually talk about Dash for a second because I mean you all are incredible musicians, but in my to my ears, he's the difference between this project being good and it being great. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I would agree. Without without what he's bringing, and the, I mean, this is true of everybody, but like, I don't know. The bass is really important in this group. Absolutely. Uh, I, mean, I think that's a tremendous stage presence. He's a yes. uh, tremendous songwriter. 
uh, you know, in the original liner notes, we credited him as an international spokesperson because he was the only person with the microphone at our at our shows. And uh, like that's just a whole vibe. Yeah, he's a self-contained. There's vibe. there's some gold there, but like like his uh, like the way his mind thinks musically and the attitude he brings to. I mean, he plays drums too, and he's a fan, like, incredible drummer, which I yeah. think that's what he's doing most of the time now. Yeah, right now, in, yeah, in Arizona, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Um, I just thought he it has a very unique voice that he brings to his bass playing. That uh, I mean, it's yeah. Well, I mean, I would Dash. I would, Dash is probably my. I mean. If not my favorite bass player of all time, definitely in the top three. And uh, I've been, you know, as a drummer in like so many bands, I mean, just even playing drums with Dash, uh, it's it's a whole nother vibe. Like the, the way he can keep a feel, but the, yes. way, the, the way he can lead a band melodically through the bass yeah. is, uh, you know, that's why we always want him very forefront in the mix as well. Not even just for low end. But like melodically as well, like he is such a statement musically for us. Uh, and then you see him doing his stage presence as well. So like, yeah, he's a, he's a one of one. Yeah. And so, and one of his uh, songs that he wrote uh, will be on a record in the future. Yeah. Uh, sounds phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. It's a 20 year old song. It was written around this time period. And uh, I found the bounce of it. I found a 20-year-old MP3 of it. Could not find the reason file, so we just uh, reconstructed it in the studio a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's shaping up really nice. So this song, uh, I was into a lot of Chicago Deep House at the time. A lot of Derek Carter, even like Mark Farina. And, uh, you know, I would always DJ at our shows and I was playing a lot of Deep House opening our shows and stuff and mid-set at our shows. And uh, I, would, I definitely remember like referencing some very classic uh, like Miles Mieta, Derek Carter tracks when we were making this song. Uh, down to like the dubby pads, to the way we affected the bass, to the way my guitar sounds. Um, I was trying to make it sound like this Commodore sample. Um, but yeah, so like this song was a lot of fun to put together because we approached it as like like say a DJ collective like Inland Nights, um, one of my favorite Deep House collectives would produce a song. We would get all our elements together and then like strip it down and then put it all back together and use our instrumentation as samples. And that's how this song came together. And I'm a big fan of the title as well. Yeah, some, some guy named Nate named this song. Really? Yeah. You check him out. Wait, oh, is he in the band? You'd like him. Well, uh, I might be. I'm, I'm gonna try out. We might fire Not... him. We might fire him and then hire him again. But we'll I gotta, I gotta, I gotta send him all tr- a track tonight. Yeah. Uh, they asked me to like. Uh, re-edition. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna evaluate it and let That's me... right. Yeah. Yeah. And we do this on a weekly basis. Yeah. But just for Nate. It's quality control. Yeah. And speaking of like highlights in the band, like let's give Bob Little some love because he is like a living metronome and uh, it'd be really amazing. Like I I could lock samples live again without any sort of MIDI lock to Bob 
Once I found Bob's tempo, I could fire off samples and let that drum loop play live. And he would not veer from that tempo path. And, um, and he you know, was yeah, like the sick, sick, just the like sickest. Break. And his endurance as well. I mean, like three hour sets of like high energy 4 4 music and drum and bass, like that's between 160 and 180, even 190 if we're like in the mode. Wasn't he usually smoking a cigarette too back then? Well, you know, his kids might be listening, so I wasn't going to drop that out there. But uh, yeah, uh, that, that could have happened. Uh, you know, you got to be I, real, man. And making it making it look seamless too, with a stogie hanging out of his mouth playing two hundred beats a minute. It's don't smoke of, cigarettes. Just don't smoke cigarettes, smoke. kids. He, he so what did I wish he was here to ask? And I don't know if either of you can uh, like comment to this, but like, what what was his motivation to play the style of music? Because it's not traditionally a style that a live drummer, that many live drummers get excited about. Do you mind if I answer that after we hear this skit? Hey man, whoever keeps locking the top rock the door needs to quit it, man. I'm getting tired of getting locked out of the crib, man. Straight up, straight up. Y'all change combination on the garage, so I can't get in the crib. I'm supposed to be in work in a few minutes and shit. I ain't got my work clothes or none of that, man. So that that was our roommate, uh, CG's Clinton Wilford uh, of the famous uh, KJHK hip hop hype fame. He was our roommate. He got locked out one day and left me that famous voicemail, and it made the record. <laughs> now it's uh, immortalized for all time. <laughs> it is, and he's got a sample on the new record too. I will say, um, <laughs> that's an awesome bookend. Oh yeah, so we're gonna try to get most of the guests from the you last. Gotta have some continuity, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Bob was, you know, highly influenced from the drummers, not a drummer, from these records we were listening to, um, all this electronic music we we're listening to, uh, where these samplers were playing parts that were just so tasty if you're a drummer and easy to be influenced by, and really not too many people trying it. Like at the time of this record, like right here, Bob is killing it. I mean, Bob is killing it right here. Yeah, I picked a weird time, I guess, to ask that question because this is Bob. Is a, a Bob's getting to show off a little bit here. Yeah, no, it's perfect timing. I mean, this record, this song, especially at the end, like some of the best cross sticking I've ever heard, especially at a high caliber tempo. Uh, honestly, like that and like the very end part of "You Got Me" by Erica Badu, that stuff that Questlove does. I mean, that's like the same to me, like same quality. But yeah, uh, I guess. I guess my point is is that Bob would hear these drums and be one of the few and first drummers trying to play that live. Like at the time, you had early JoJo Mayer, you had um, Jungle Drummer from the hospital group out of UK, 
and uh, Kevin Saka. Like those are like the only drummers besides Bob that were like really nailing, you know, quality like beats that were that sounded like they came from a sampled, highly manicured record. Um, so I think Bob heard that, took it on as a challenge, and like made his own vibe with it. Yep. Yeah. So the technical challenge. Yeah. Absolutely. But also just the flavor, like. When you're a drummer, you can't help but love stuff like jungle and drum and bass and hip hop and break beats. So all of that's like inherent with uh, our love uh, of music in general. So yeah, we grab it. We're beat heads. All of us are beat heads. So it was. Oh, I mean, I get it. I'm a drummer. I was. I'm a drummer first and foremost. But like, and I like this stuff, but I've never wanted to play it. <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah, no, we were drawn to it for sure. Like, yeah, as a challenge, and also just like, man, I love this stuff. I wonder if I could play that live, because like there's really no humans to admire about it. It was like this producer who cuts like this, like check out how Premiere makes this break beat. Check out how uh, Square Pusher does his jungle drums. Like that's, you know, that's, we didn't have like, hey, check out this funk break by Bernard Purdy. You know, like we were like, look at this guy cutting this kind of beat. Can, is that possible to even play live? Venetia Stairs. Yeah, 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 for sure. So there was an indie band in town at the same time that this song came out named Ghosty, uh, Mike Nolte's band. And uh, I remember the CD came out and they're like, did you name this song after us? I'm like, no, it was just like an idea in the air. Like we called our song Ghosty and you guys became a band and it was just in the air. We both grabbed the same idea at the same time. I should mention um, our uh, good friend and uh, co-host Royce Diamond yes. did the remastering. That's oh, he did a fabulous job! Fabulous job. Got props from a lot of people. Yeah, uh, we had an article come out last week in the pitch, and I'm really glad that he chose to use some of my commentary about Royce because I mean yeah. this album sounds amazing because of Royce's dedication to it. It was such a journey. Uh, not only is it like mastering for vinyl its own thing, but it's a seamless uh, piece of vinyl, which brings its own challenges. So not even making sure like the bass is mono or making sure like the groove cut are, this, are, are where they need to be. That's a whole specialty process. But like, uh, like I was saying last week, the, the people who cut our lacquers contacted me and contacted the plant, went out of their way to say, listen, this is all we do all day long. The restorative quality of this reissue, let alone like the way that this music is sounding on our cuts is phenomenal. So please tell your mastering engineer that he did an absolutely great job. We had some back and forth, you know, because quality control was the utmost importance. But, um, you know, Royce and I spent a long time researching this, figuring out the best way to go after it. And then once Royce got dialed in, he brought it home and he did an excellent, excellent job. I'm very, very happy with what Royce did. And what were you guys working from? Was it just two channel mixes or the CD? Yeah, we lost the hard drive. We, we had planned to um, uh, remix the stems, but uh, it wasn't an option anymore. So we he did it all from a digital CD. Like the the pr production CD? Yeah. One wow, of the last, I can't. Yeah, one yeah. of the last CDs known 
to any of us because we sold out like a long time ago and like you know the fact that we even had a pristine copy left was amazing to work from wow yeah. i can't believe how um punchy and dynamic it is given that it's sourced from a cd that came out in 2003 that and like you know this record was made on a pro tools like the first pro tools system yeah that was like a 16-bit system so i mean just the, this whole album has had so much attention to detail on it um that I, i'm very proud to say like i think it's come out really really well i think it's the fruit of all the hard work and extra time spent on it super passion project um but yeah you know i, I i'm still surprised how well it sounds when i put the needle on honestly It's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. And it looks so good. It's such a pretty record. So like the artwork, like um, I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of reissues and stuff. I love it when they're done right. I lost all my artwork files. I mean, I had them, but they were corrupted illustrator files that were 20 years old. So basically I had one copy left still in the shrink wrap. It was um, my family's copy. Like this one that they had like in the attic or something. I found it sent that to this guy in LA who does a lot of work for like Stone Throw and Mad Lib and um, Keeper and stuff and he, he he did such a good job like reimagining the artwork, saving the day. I picked out some new pieces and we did some new design on it too but like basically it's like 80% of what the original artwork was and it was just really fun to put it, all this back together only dealing with the source material not all the stems, not all the files like it, it was a challenge but it was fun and it worked out, yeah. Yeah, it did. And uh, yeah, it just it's I, I I just you know it's it's uh, I feel grateful for the opportunity to have you know to have the relationships you know back and, and not that they were away but you know I mean I don't, we haven't talked to each other like this for you know a decade or more. Um, well, spending this much time together now, but we're always in touch. Oh, yeah. Always, always yeah. on birthdays and you know social stuff. And yeah, for sure. We're never out of each other's life, but yeah, like now Nate and I are talking three times a week just on this album, and it's awesome. It's just how it used to be. So it's, it's different when you have an active project going That's on. Right. For yeah. sure. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I think grateful is the best word. Grateful and blessed. Those are the two words that I keep saying all the time about this project. The, the the fellowship, the familyness. Um, I mean, like, as soon as we were a band, like, family was, like, the main word for all of us. And we looked out for each other and, like, treated each other like family. And, uh, yeah, and I think that always came through the music. Like, I don't want to be cheesy, but I felt like love always came through our vibe. Um, and I think people could feel that when they would come see us live. And um, we cherish our relationships together, and we want that to come through our music. That guy downstairs is scratching. Britton? Yeah, Britton Kimple. I used to interact with him quite a bit, and I haven't heard from him for two years. That guy downstairs.
mean, yeah, this is kind of typical. It's just, you know, it's a groove and a vibe and people just like danced. You know, we did different stuff. You know, like, yeah, how would you guys um, communicate like in the live set? So you pick a key or something to start with. Yeah. And you jam. Okay, so now we're 10 minutes in or whatever and you're looking for a change. What's the communication like? I mean, the music would speak to all of us. Like, we were so on the same wavelength that I think we would just kind of inherently know when to change, but also visual cues. Just look at each other and be like, hey, it's time to make you a know, move. Bob, Bob, you know, we'd, we'd break it down sort of like this or something, and Bob would have, uh, you know, some sort of uh, little, you know, beat that brought it up or something. Or Dash would start, you know, a bass line, and Bob would follow, or, you know, it, it yeah. was just kind of... And like scales and stuff, it was all by ear or? Yeah. Yeah. It had to be just because like it was all made up on the spot. But also like we were a band of many tempos. So like we kind of programmed in our like improv mentality to take breaks and to like, you know, maybe I'm maybe I cue up some sort of soundscape that helps us transcend, you know, transition to another key. That's an, you know another beat or something like that. So. Um, I mean, we loved our sets to be all over the map BPM wise. And so like that was kind of like programmed subconsciously and like how we would approach the improv. I mean, I think we did what our best to, to, to bring the energy up and down, depending on how the crowd was, you know, what the crowd was doing. If they were all up and dancing and stuff, we'd, you know, keep it up. And then, yeah, you know, eventually we'd bring it down because, you know, people would want to get drinks or whatever. So, it, it, yeah, I mean, we just kind of we let like the 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 show kind of dictate where we went with uh, you know our, our tempos and, and and just like a DJ would, you know, you read the room. Music has affected me in many ways. This is Edwin. It's yeah. So here's one last uh, flip of the vinyl, side four. Reverse rotation back and forth with uh, Johnny Quest and Storyteller Concepts. Johnny, who helped engineer our new records. For example, Full circle. And we'll end on outro with uh, Kai Leonard Al. Destroy and yeah. Kai Ao. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't read Kai Ao. This is like this was like a cool example of how like we sample ourselves in the studio, you know, like play a drum break, break you know, resample ourselves and then play back over our own samples. Um, and then like I would, I did a lot of shows with Edwin and he had the best stories, so I called him over. I was like, dude, just talk about talk about an amazing time in music in your life, and like cut down like a ten minute answer down to this intro. And then Johnny came over and we went through some of his pads. Johnny's always writing and this song came together really, really quickly. It's probably one of my favorites. And then um, and then that next piece of music is almost 12 minutes long. So I don't know if you want to hear the whole vibe, but um, we thought that was going to be a great outro for the record. It's a good meditative piece to, uh, you know, and a slower, slower thing to slow that, you know, slower piece of music, slow everything down. Bring the album progress, in. You know? Yeah. I've fallen asleep to that track so many times. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're in. I mean, it is the long play listening party, so. But we definitely want to listen to the whole 12 minutes because it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it is meditative. So it's, it's, 
you know, it's more than the same thing over and over again, but it kind of is. <laughs> maybe, uh, Nate, maybe you can meditate on whether to rejoin the band or not. Well, I, I for sure. Yeah. Excellent. You're a good well, meeting, well, I don't even want to think about that until I get feedback on my uh, homework. Yeah, and he did uh, another couple verses on the new record and just murdered him, dude. Oh, yeah. And that's Johnny DJing, too. So that was done on a keyboard, but live, that's to do that with the Mooger Fooger. Yep. With his feet. And so, like, we were constantly, like, just committing things to the album, like, and it would challenge us to recreate it live, and that was always fun, too. We'd spend more time trying to, like, get the sounds right on stage than we did, you know, practicing as a band. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, we have songs now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, man, I don't even—I don't even feel like we played the record, though. You know what I mean? No, no, I don't think we like, did. Even, I mean, even at the CD release party, I felt like we jammed all night. No, I, I you know, I don't think we ever played the uh, record front to back, or no. even like as a, a, you know, you know, a core part of the set either. Yeah, I think it was always improving some cool. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's why this band is so fun because. It was there was there would always be uh, like just magical moments and elements of surprise. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. It was it was even like to us, you know, which which translated I think to the crowd. I mean, it was just I think so too. exciting. It's just exciting to, to play. Yeah, you look on stage and we're all surprised and yeah, excited. Yeah. Maybe that'll maybe that translates <laughs> to the crowd a little bit. <laughs> so this guy named Kai Al. Um, I think he's from Mongolia. Uh, I met him outside the A Street Tap Room one night. He was kind of like a figure in the Lawrence scene. He was always showing up and dancing and just such a cool soul. And we're outside like at two in the morning one night outside the tap room or something. And he starts doing this throat singing. And I'm like, bro, come over tomorrow, please. I have a piece of music for you. And so Kai came over and did his amazing throat sing singing. And I think it's such a cool element such a cool element i've had plenty of people ask me if that's a sample like nah this is a guy named kai he's doing his thing and these drums are live played by mike warren i believe i think so yeah because leonard uh 
so we used to play a lot of shows with Deep Thinkers, which was Brother of Moses and Leonard Destroy. And uh, I asked Kyle to uh, help produce a piece of music with us as a band. So like, he kind of came over with this like template and we did our stuff to it. There's keyboards, dash. I mean, we all play on this a little bit, but it was based around the sketch of music Lenny gave us. And we were very, very, we were very honored to play over it. Such a cool composition. Howie, have you listened to any Deep Thinkers? Uh, deep Thinkers, no, I don't think I have. But I, 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 I send me something. Um, but I would love to get Leonard Destroy on the show at some point. Like, I think, I mean, his stuff that's up on Bandcamp is incredible, and I think not enough people have listened to it or know about yeah. it. Um, now he's criminally overlooked. Really, really good. And honestly, really, like, personally inspiring in terms of what I've been doing on the 404s. I, I've ended up going in a different kind of direction, but the way that as kind of a producer, it's more of a mindset thing than a sonic thing, um, but his pieces are so satisfying and full in a way. Yeah that that that's the level i'm trying that's the goal i've set out for myself to aim for to like make the sample based stuff that i'm doing that's my target and well, i'm hoping hey, to get like halfway there you know well hallie i want to hear your stuff yeah please, please let me hear your stuff man i want to hear that for sure yeah, I I just, kyle's the sweetest dude and he's so smart man and like he was a little younger when we were kicking it with him but like such an old soul in wisdom and also just in talent uh and also i mean detour put out next move um which is the second deep Thinkers record and i think that thing's a masterpiece so definitely check that record out yeah that's a good one yeah um yeah howie and royce did, uh, just released a, a record uh what's together. it called uh not one uh not one person left out left out yeah i gotta hear it, this it's on the Mr. Furious fan camp and all the streaming. There's a okay. podcast episode back in the feed, like okay. six or seven episodes if you want to go. So that was... Beautiful. We're, uh, we're on that. a sidetrack here. I mean, the stuff, the stuff I'm really excited about that I was kind of referring to is not out yet. Oh, okay. But you so said, I just did a track uh, the other day. There is, yeah. So in the episode... Um, we're on the band camp right now. So there's, in terms of my sample-based stuff, wow, this was not supposed to be a podcast about this, but check out Not One Person Left Out, which is um, some different beats I made with one drum machine and one synth at a time, processed through the 404, and then Royce did the vocal samples. Beautiful. Okay, got it. And then awesome. there is the uh, weirdest beat tape from last summer, which has some That's cool right. remixes yeah. and stuff. Okay. But I kind of, I discovered Leonard Destroy after that stuff was mostly done. Yeah. So it's really like the upcoming thing. I've got a project coming up with Corey Kibler. Okay. Um, called Ripped Rotten. Okay. And I don't know, he's still got like two songs to do for me for that. So I don't have a, I don't have a date. And then my first project of stuff on the 404 Mark II will be out like this summer probably. It's okay. called Frog on the King's Head. Okay. And we do, so if you, if you go back to this, 
it would be like three episodes ago. So the, the episode before Till Willis part one. Okay. At the end of that episode, I play a full track off of Frog on the King's Head. Cool. And that sh- should hopefully show some of that Leonard influence. That's awesome. In a, in a very twisted way. <laughs> but in terms of the arrangement and stuff and, and how dense I tried to make it. Beautiful. Man, he'd love to know that he's inspiring people, dude. You gotta get him on the no, show. I wanna, I wanna get him on the show, yeah. Yeah, he's such a good hang. That'd be awesome. Drew is Lovecraft, right? Uh, Lovecraft is Daniel. Daniel, that's right. God, I gotta forget those. Get those. I feel bad. I mix them up. I think she's yeah, actually, so Daniel and I are making a record too. Nice. Uh, which is going really well. It's very, it's a very, we're kind of using the, the uh, orbital debris process. Yeah. Um, and he's, uh, it's been super fun to collaborate with him. And he's, he is uh, a crazy man with a billion ideas. Um, so he's just like exploding with, with ideas. And we've got stuff. Sorry, this was not supposed to be a Howie update episode, but like, let me say, the last thing I was going to. I want to hear about you. All right, all right. So, yeah. Um, it's one of the things that's different about it is like we had a song he sent me a song it was like practically finished and i could it took me a while to even think like what am i going to add to this and i finally found i i i made a vocal sample and i kind of it, it didn't have like a big ending and i wanted to hear a big ending so i like took pieces from throughout the song and and chopped up and edited together like a big ending section yeah sent it back to him and he's like oh this gives me like more ideas i'm gonna tear all this apart and and kind of start over with the pieces and send you back so we're, we're making like two songs in the course of making this song i love that um uh, but yeah it's different and if they're different enough you know maybe we'll make a a bonus track or whatever out of the first version awesome but yeah we're just shooting stuff back and forth and he's like i did with nate or like nate did with me he's starting like half of them and then i'm i'm starting half or less than half of them and yeah just shooting stuff back and forth as a front process which we should do um but again yeah i'm really into i mean i'd love to do that again for sure and i just i know royce is so busy but i just um, I'm so set on this idea of the three of us making a record. I really want to do that at some point. Yeah, I, I, I uh, he texted me back uh, a little bit ago and said he, he'd love to be on this show right now, but he's working 14 hour days. <laughs> so I know, I know, and he gets paid to do that. We don't pay him. He's getting paid, yes. So he is, uh, he's fucking doing it man 
Good for him. Absolutely. Um, he's uh, he's had a hell of a year professionally. In a, in a really good way. Like, he's yeah. been yeah. crushing right. it. Yeah. And you should definitely, um, man. Yeah, just the mastering job he did on this. Like, he, he should be, um, well, and he is being looked at by people that are paying him solid amounts of money. <laughs> All right, well there we go. Deep roots in yeah, shallow ground. Fucking twelve minutes. And if you want the uh, bonus track, you're gonna have to go find it, peoples out there. All right, so there is a bonus track. Uh, we're not gonna play it. You gotta go search for it. You can search um, in your bonus local six. record store. You could go to mixtapemeditation.com. Uh, Jared, remind in case people haven't listened to episode one, remind people, and then Nate, remind them of the socials and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody out there, uh, we would be so grateful if you go check us out at djnotadj.com. That'll also forward you to our label site, which is mixtapemeditation.com. And it's available at about 20 shops across the country and international is coming. Uh, if your favorite store doesn't have it, we are nationally distributed. So please ask them to order it and uh, or just hit us up and we'd love to send you one. Yeah, and you can follow... Uh, DJ not a DJ on Instagram. You can follow Mixtape Meditation on Instagram. Just look up those names, and then Mixtape Meditation also has a Facebook page, so you can go and like and follow there. Um, and I'm sure there will be uh, more ways to to see us or contact us as you know we get we get our stuff together and organized. YouTube's the uh, hot new thing right now so uh if i have to go and learn, learn something about that but um yeah awesome what a professional ending wow we we uh we did it <laughs> you're getting it you're getting it i'm, pr- I'm proud of ourselves brothers <laughs> we should we took the we took the scenic route but we got there yeah no, uh, I, we've I, been I, the conversation with you and uh and and david um I did feel uh, at first like maybe it was just a little self-indulgent just because it is, you know, a band that I'm in. But um, I really am proud of the record that we made. And I, I, I it was very fun to, to kind of reflect back on, you know, uh, that time period. I uh, really would like Bob and Dash to be here, but um yeah, uh, you'll hear from more from us. Cool, cool. And you got to tell the story. I don't think it's self-indulgent. You got to tell the story. So yeah. uh, we told the story. And that's what we do on the Long Play Listening Party. Follow us on the socials, on the podcasts. Uh, we'd love to get to 100 YouTube subscribers. So if you're not subscribed on YouTube, uh, why don't you click over and do that? And uh, we'll be back at you next week with more local music. Take care, everybody. <laughs>